Great. So, um, really been encouraged about this Joshua season. I felt like yeah, many of you guys who were here when Guy Feltman was here, he prophesied a Joshua season, and I had been, uh, I hadn't been preaching that much yet because actually just we've had some other guys in, and we're a preaching team, and so we do that, and also we've been preaching at other places. But I'm really intrigued that God is highlighting um, Joshua again. Do you know in 2016 when we came here on this assignment? Um, I preached through Joshua um, and so this is year seven and we're I really feel there's something significant in it I'm intrigued that God is highlighting um, Joshua and I, I've been saying to Mike this week as well I've honestly spent a lot, lot of time in prayer over the last couple of weeks trying to just hear what it is that God wants to do with us we've got to change gear we've got to change season in the next little while I feel like God wants to do that um, like we heard from Peter, even beginning of the year when he came and preached, there's, a, there's an impact that's a ripple effect from us out into our city that God wants to do. But I, I often think that the change is not going to happen out there. It's going to happen in here with us, in our hearts. As you change, so the kingdom of God advances. And uh, I want to say God's been changing some, some things in my own life. And change doesn't come with a 10-step program. Change doesn't come with my hard effort and will to change change comes when we spend time in the presence of the one who changes us and i'm hoping you're changing i hope you're not the same as you were five six years ago second corinthians chapter 3 verse 18 says and we can you say we with unveiled faces reflect the lord's glory someone once said you've got to be close enough to reflect it You've got to be close enough to reflect it. And you've got to have an unveiled face. We who with unveiled faces reflect the Lord's glory are being transformed into His likeness with ever-increasing glory which comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. And so I've just been, yeah, for myself pressing in saying, Lord, for us here at City Life, what is it? And um, I felt God say, um, this Joshua is not so much about the book, it's not so much about the leader, but it's about a Joshua season. It's about coming out of the wilderness well. How many know you can come out of a wilderness season well, and you can end that season not well? And when you end it not well, it often drags on longer than it needs to. And so there are some things in the wilderness that has to die. There are some things that has to be put inside of us. But I feel like God's saying, like, if you're going to walk into, uh, I can't answer you right now. If you're going to walk into your inheritance, there has to be a mindset shift. Because what God has for you is bigger than what you think right now. And for us as a local church, there has to be a shift. There has to be, we have to change our grasshopper thinking. For a thinking that can enable God to, to help us to walk into what He's got for us. And if you're sitting there right now and you're saying like, Lord, it's impossible. This is the place I'm in. Uh, this is how things are. It's not going to change. God has to come and bring change in our thinking. I believe God has to change our faith. There has to be a new faith. Our past doesn't determine our future. You know, for that nation who had come out of um, Egypt, they'd never seen what it is that God has for them. And it's funny, we like to see and then we believe, isn't it? But God says, believe me and you'll see it. And so there has to be a new faith to say, Lord, there, there is something bigger than what I can see right now, something bigger than what I know right now that you have for my life and for us as a local church. 
There has to be a new revelation of godly leadership and I, I honestly believe that we we have to shift gears a bit there. I think um, in the desert season, I mean, I love what those guys say in Joshua chapter 1. Have you read it? Hey, Joshua, wherever you go, we'll go. We'll follow you as we follow Moses. They never followed Moses that well. By the way, they grumbled and moaned and complained and whatever. In fact, in Joshua 1, they said, whoever doesn't follow you, we'll, we'll kill them. They must be killed. It's like very, very radical. But I do think there has to be a shift in our understanding of, of leadership. One of how Jesus leads us individually in our own life. You know, to follow Jesus is, a, is about Him being King in your life. King of your attitude. King of your emotions. King of your mind. King of your resources. King of your marriage. King of your life. King of king, everything. And it's, it's a surrendering. Um, but then also to those that God puts around us. Um, as we walk into that victory and new strategies in warfare it's amazing you think about them marching around Jericho some things God just calls us to worship around them just keep worshiping and I was thinking about it seven times right and the seventh day my mind is not that fresh this morning this seventh day they marched around seven times perfect time at the perfect time the victory comes some things God just calls us to keep on worshipping over them. Keep on walking around it. Keep on worshipping. Keep on worshipping. And at the right time, the breakthrough will come. And so there's new strategies in warfare. So um, I thought about this. Um, last year, God gave us, or uh, well, beginning of this year, Psalm 65, verse 11. Have you ever read Psalm 65? But it's an amazing verse, this in verse 11. You crown the year with your bounty. How many of you would love bounty in every area? Bounty in our, in our, in our joy. Bounty in our peace. Bounty in God's provision. Bounty, and that's what we love. Your carts will overflow and with your abundance. But if you read Psalm 65, you realize that the promises of God are linked to the purposes of God. Um, he says their praise awaits you in Zion. He says you hear my prayer. So there's worship and there's prayer. And it says that all men will come to you. And when we walk in the purposes of God, then the promises of God are relevant to us. You know, you can't just wake up and claim any promise. I'm too blessed to be stressed. I'm blessed and it can't be reversed. Craig messed it up the other week. He said, like, what? come on, man. It's supposed to be come on now. He's, he's somewhere in the book just for you, Craig. Um, we can't just wake up and claim any promise. The promises are linked to God's purpose. And if God has a purpose for your life, the best thing you can do is live in the purposes of God. Because when you're living in God's purpose, that's when the promise is relevant. And it's not just to bless us. We are blessed, but it's not just about us. And city life and you and my, it's not just about us. God's gathered us together because He's got a bigger plan. And when we understand the bigger purpose and the bigger plan, we plug into God's provision for that. But we can't just wake up and say, Lord, I'll, you protect me from east to west from, um, I don't know, there's more better prayers than mine. You got it. And so God calls us together because there's an assignment. And yes, City Life has definitely been a church where there's healing and there's restoration. Many of us have come in and found a place where God can bring restoration and, and God can bring healing. And I still believe that. I still believe that. But I also believe we're a place where God wants to send us from. We're a sent people. He's sending you every week into the situation you find yourself in to bring the kingdom of God. 
And there is a commissioning and there is a challenging and there is like a purpose and a reason why we're together. And, and God wants to make that clear so we can step into His, His provision and inheritance. Amen. He's not called us to settle down. And so if you're getting really comfortable and cozy, it's like got these relationships and these sayings and all this stuff, which is a lot of fun. Um, I mean, I'm, I'm, I've loved the journey, but I'm also saying there's more that God has for us. And we're going to have to shift gear if we're going to step into some of that. Amen? Are you there? Come on, man. Come on now. Come on. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, I mean, just, just so you know, uh, um, that's why the church exists. It's for Him. That's why we're not called a, a necessarily a city life family church. Because as much as God wants to bless my family, it's about more than that. That's why we're not called city life community church. Because even our community is not the whole mission. The mission is not done until we go to the ends of the earth and preach the gospel to all creation. You get it? And when I put the king first, we're sons and daughters in the kingdom of God. When we put the kingdom first, how many know if you, uh, uh, Jesus didn't come to the world to just benefit his family? Imagine. He just came and Mary and Joseph, and they were blessed and he saved his family. Or how about his community? doesn't say for God so loved his community not even for his nation or his church for God so loved the world he loved the world he didn't hate the world he loved the world and God's put us in the world because he has a plan for us and if you want what's best for your family put the king in his kingdom first if you want what's best for your community put the king in the kingdom first if you want what's best for your church put the king in the kingdom first anything else that we seek first anything else it will just keep slipping out of your hands and your fingers got to put the king in his kingdom first and all these things will be added unto you amen come on now mark's even putting an accent onto it come on yeah sunny like an american i don't know about the jesus you're following but the one I'm following is pretty wild. It's pretty radical. It wasn't mild settling down in his comfort zone. I mean, he followed God's will for his life, even where it was uncomfortable, even when it, was, uh, when it required sacrifice. He, he, was, he was wild in his love for God and his passion for God and for the will of God for his life. I don't want to live my life. And I don't want, as long as we're leading, yes, City Life is not a church where we're going to settle down in our comfort zone. We're going to keep, God's going to keep stretching us into all He wants us to be and all that He's called us to. And so over this next season, for me, the, the opportunities I get to speak, I'm certainly going to try and make some of that clear. So we clear what it is that God's called us to so we know what the inheritance is that God has for us what are some of the shifts during the season and some of it's going to be personal but some of it's going to be for us as a local church um, okay if I asked you this question um, what does the city life look like that Jesus dreams of what would you say um, and when I say city life I think like 
it has to be every church surely that Jesus dreams of but often we think about what's our dream for the church is to have all the blessings and protection provision and have no responsibility for anything and and just like that's our dream but the question is what's his dream because we're not building the church for us we're building it for him and so the question I ask is like okay well and and you see how you see this will determine what we become in our next season if the church exists for him it will shape the way that we live out our spiritual life and so the first question I have is what kind of people what's what's the hallmark of a city lifer and I'm not talking about Sunday morning when you walk into the meeting I'm talking from Sunday till Monday what what the characteristics of people um, that are part of the church of Jesus Christ what's their character like what is their passion about are they honest are they humble do they love are they submitted are they accountable are they obedient what is the hallmark of a church that he dreams of that's what we've got to aim for are you, are you there awesome secondly what are they spending their lives on and for me again um, this depends on how you see it <clears throat> excuse me um, if I live my life like I, my whole life is actually part of the, the, the mission for the king, and that means everywhere I go, all the time, all that I have is available to him and under his command. Versus um, I'm living my life for me, and sometimes, on occasions, I go on mission for him. Two different mindsets. I'm asking you, what are you doing with your life? So when, you, when, you, when, you, when you're at the gym, when you're at work, when you're at the, uh, where, are you living your whole life on the mission? Or are you saying, like, I'm living my life for me. That's what I'm spending my life doing. And on some occasions, I go on a mission and I do some things that I think that God would require. That's two different ways of living. My question is, the church Jesus dreams of, what are we spending our, the, the breath and the days and the life that we have? What are we spending it on? Do you see your life as being on the mission or do you just go on a mission every now and then when you tell someone about Jesus or you come to church and raise your hands? <clears throat> You're so lucky I'm, I'm, I'm a little bit tired this morning. I'd be very fired up. <laughs> but I'm hoping you're like, come on now inside. And I had a, a bit of a... Um, yeah. Um, the second thing is... Thank you in the front row you guys are amazing the third question I ask is the church Jesus dreams of for city life the church he dreams of um, how are we do how are we doing our lives not just what are we doing with our lives um, not just what kind of people are we uh, but how are we doing it does it look anything like worship when we're living our lives you know I think he dreams of a church that's their whole life is committed to serve his purpose. He dreams of a church where his likeness is in his people and his kindness is constantly shining out to a world around him where they can say, like, how is it that you are like this? Well, it's because of the one that's king of my life. And I think like uh, the way we do everything in our life should look like worship surely 
If I'm called to worship Him, worship is not 9 o'clock when Mike stands up and hits the drums and, okay, now we're worshiping. No, no. We were created to worship. You and I worship 24 hours a day. The only thing that, that differs is what we worship. What am I living my life for? Amen. We praise God for music and, and songs and all that. But everything, this is your spiritual act of worship. Offer your body a living sacrifice. Worship is not just singing. So, um, that we've got to get that right. If we talk about a Joshua season, we've got to change some things in our own lives and the way we live and the way we reflect this so we can walk into the inheritance. I want to remind you, at the end, at the end, Revelation 19, verse 7, it says, um, Let us rejoice, the end of the story, and be glad. And you know this. We've, we've spoken about this many times. At the end of all, of all the activities, all the wars, all the nations or all of history every human being at the end of all that this is what it culminates in and if you read revelation 19 the elders are there the leaders are there the angels are there the living creatures are there the multitudes are there and they're all jumping up and down shouting praising why it says because the wedding of the lamb has come and the bride has made herself ready i think jesus dreams of a church that's ready for him prepared for him that know him that follow him that reflect him we're not building my dream or your dream amen we're building his dream and so that means the church has to be washed Ephesians chapter 5 verse 25 and I'll, I'll give us five little things because I know there's pressure on you and there's pressure on every church. You know, Tyron reminded us this week again, 35,000 churches in America closed their doors during COVID. They will never open again. 35,000. <laughs> I don't know what the stats are here. I, I'm not sure what's the case. But, but this bride, this church that is in the heart of Jesus, it's his dream. We're going to make sure we build it for him. And if we're going to do that, we're going to have to build our lives biblically. The change for us walking into our inheritance is not out there somewhere. It's not an event. It's right here, right now. You get to choose right here, right now. What will you do with, with the Word of God and what He's called the church to? You get to choose that right now. You're doing all right. So Ephesians chapter 5, verse 25 says, Husbands, loves your love. loved loves husbands love your wives you know i just want to say this for husbands no excuse you will stand before him this is very clear husbands love your wives just as christ loves the church loved the church and gave himself up for her making her holy cleansing her by washing with the water through the word and to present it to himself a radiant church without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish but holy and blameless i want to say the church doesn't just become what jesus dreams her to become she gets washed with the word now this is different to being washed with the blood hello yes we get we are the church that's step one 
We don't come to church. We are the church because through the blood of Jesus Christ, our sins are forgiven and we become sons and daughters of God. We become his family. We become his household. Not an organi- we don't join an organization. We're part of the family of God through the blood of Jesus. We're adopted into his family. But the church still has to be washed with the word because, you know, uh, just if you leave a child just to grow, they don't just automatically become what you want them to become. You have to work on it. You have to work it through. And I'm saying like there is a lot of pressure from the world right now on what the church should be like. And if we're going to be the church Jesus dreams of, we've got to understand what's the difference here. And we've got to, the only place you're going to find that is in the Word of God. Not from the culture, not from what people say the church should be, not from what's convenient, not from what people want. Hello. But from what He wants and what He's put in His Word. So let me give you five pressures and hopefully take the pressures off us and then we understand who we are. You know when God took Israel out of Egypt, He said, You will be for me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. That was their destiny. It wasn't the land. It was, the land, the inheritance would come to them. It was marked out for them. It was promised long before they even got there to Abraham. 400 years earlier, it was promised. It was their destiny. It, they were always going to have that land. Now I'm getting worked up. But it was when the blood set them free. They started on the journey. And God said, you know who you are? You are a kingdom of priests, a holy nation, my people belonging to me. When you understand that, you will walk into the inheritance I have for you. It's marked out for you. No one can take it. No one can stand before you. And I want to say it's the same for you. It's the same for me. So a couple of pressures quickly. So you know where we're going as a local church. Number one. There's the pressure of the preferences of the saints. That is a pressure, right? So the church that we are building, do we build it because there's pressure from the saints? And you know the saints is not the ones marching in, it's us. Everyone born again, everyone washed with the blood. But, but, but we have preference. I have preferences. I'm telling you. You think you don't, you do. Um, the fact that, like I said, 35,000 churches closed down. I mean, there are things that we, we have preferences over our gatherings. It is cool to be in bed and eat your bacon and eggs and watch online. I'm just saying, our preferences. Well, the church Jesus is building is a church that is obedient to Jesus. You know how you show Jesus love? You obey. And that's how we roll. With finances, with everything. What does Jesus say and how do we obey it? It's not what's my preference. I have preferences about prayer. Now I'm just saying, like if you struggle to pray half an hour a month together, we've got to grow. Because when I read the biblical church, pray together sometimes in Acts every day. I'm not, we're not going to do that, so don't stress. But I'm just saying we struggle once a month. We've got we to grow. Some people don't even see it as important because it's not their preference. I don't have that option. I can't build a church according to my preferences. Not my church. His church. What about our going? I would love to be here every Sunday. I don't think I've missed 
I think I can miss the Sundays off. Mr. Mumble, mumble, mumble. The Sundays I've missed not being at a meeting. I think I can count them on my hands since I got born again. Not because I have to. I, I love it. But it seems for some people it's not a preference. It's not convenience. We, we don't have that luxury. The biblical church met together. Thank God for online and that's how we met Henry and Anne and... God's opened doors in the UK. I mean, he's done all that. Thank God for that. But that's not the new way. My Bible says we shouldn't neglect this. This is, we can't be casual about it. And I don't think it means once a month anyway. What about our, yeah, our going? I tell you, it's not convenient going. It's costly going. Traveling. We travel to Lesotho. We're traveling to Zim. We're traveling. Why? Because he said go. Plain and simple. If I claim to follow him, if I'm going to be the church he's called me to be, there's something in my heart that says, I don't just exist for me. I've got to go. I've got to go. I hope you're going. Not home afterwards. Going to, from here you are sent. Where are you sent? You're sent to your workplace. You don't arrive there. You're sent. Go to school. What's that? You're sent. I know by your parents and your grandmother and everyone. But more than that, you're sent by God. Sent. Not convenient, right? So the question I'm just asking for us here at City Life, and I mean we're going to repeat some of these things. I know a lot of guys are away. We're going to repeat them. We're a people who want to obey what He tells us, whether it's our preference or it's not our preference. Second pressure that's on the church is the preconceived ideas of the preachers. Building a church around the preachers. We have preachers, many preachers, who have their own ideas about what the church should be. Some are very famous. Some have very large following. Some have massive buildings. Some are charismatic. We have more preachers on YouTube and everything else now than ever before. But I want to say that the church is not built for the preachers. As a preacher, I can say that. So you can, one amen at the back. <laughs> the church is not built, it's not so the preachers can have a place to exercise their gift. That's not why the church exists. And the church is not built no matter how famous and no matter how influential and no matter how good and no matter how it works. And no matter, there is a pressure on the church. Let me tell you, there is a pressure on us to build the church according to the, pre the preconceived ideas of the preachers when the church is meant to be Christ-centered. Listen to these scriptures. In the presence of God, this, this sobering, 2 Timothy 4.1, in the presence of God, and of Jesus Christ who will judge the living and the dead and in view of his appearing and his kingdom I give you this charge preach the word not preach what you think works don't preach what you think we should be don't preach your eye preach the word because it says here, be prepared in and out of season I'm a little out of season this morning correct, rebuke, encourage 
with great patience and careful instruction for the time will come when men will not put up with sound doctrine instead to suit their own desires they will gather around them a great number of teachers to say what their itching ears want to hear now my when i read this again i read the scripture again i think like what are these teachers preaching that these people want to gather them around them they're preaching exactly what it says there what suits their own desires that's why we can gather around us those who are preaching what we want because they're preaching what we want them to preach just saying we're not a church that is going to be built around what preachers and their ideas think the church should be we're building a church where Christ is at the center Christ will determine what it looks like Christ is the one who's the head of the church amen big or small influential non-influential we need every local church we need every gospel preaching church how are we gonna get the nations to understand the gospel without every every single gospel preaching church but friends he has the charge in the presence of God and his appearing kingdom you better preach the word amen quiet amen you know the church is not there to serve the ministries of the preachers and the gifts I'm just saying don't use his bride you won't get away with it she's not for you hey listen to this scripture um, and you know what let me just tell you this you don't rely on the preachers for the word you have the word you should be reading the word we should be preaching the word living the word reading it for yourself not just you know oh what's on the menu today cooks uh, anyway box series whatever that was my click and second corinthians 11 2 is it verse 2 yeah it says i'm jealous for you with a godly jealousy because i promised you to one husband how is this paul paul saying the church one husband one husband promise to one husband don't be unfaithful I promise you to one husband to Christ so that I may present you a pure virgin to him but I'm afraid just as Eve was deceived by the serpent's coming cunning and when he was coming that your minds somehow have been led astray from your sincere and pure devotion to Christ. You know that Paul was a rugged man. They beat him, they put him in prison. He wasn't afraid of much. But there's one thing he was afraid of. That you be led astray from your pure and simple devotion to Christ. To follow whoever else we think is worthy of following. For someone comes to you and preaches a Jesus other than the Jesus we preached, or if you receive a spirit different from the one you received from us, or a different gospel from the one you accepted, you put up with it easily enough. Man, I tell you, the church puts up with a Jesus that I don't see in the Bible often. Amen? 
as long as we lead here, no matter how famous, no matter how big, no matter how influential, and we thank God for every church, but Christ is our devotion. Christ is our focus. We're not building a church to, for preachers. We're building a church for the King. Come on now. Wake up now on the front row there. The third pressure on the church, and I'm just saying, we can't. if we're going to build a church that Jesus dreams of, we're going to get washed by the Word. That's my, my message this morning. And washed by the Word means we, we can't give in to the pressures of the unbiblical church. That's all I'm saying. In all its forms and fashions. We live in a culture where, honestly, I think people are more religious now than ever. People are fighting wars over religion. And the experts are telling us what the church should be. We've got to come back to Christ. We've got to say, my own life, Lord's. Not I go to church, I am the church. That's step one. But whose church? His church. That's step two. What does His church look like? Uh, so here's another pressure. The prejudice of the legalists. Let me help us here. Big words. Prejudice. I know what it means because I checked on Google. It means bias or judgmental. Judgmental. And legalist just means excessive adherence to the law. Let me say this. When we become legalistic, we choke the life of God because the Spirit gives life, but the letter kills. Let me explain what I mean here. Um give you some scriptures when you when you become a christian you don't change your religion you know that you change your master christ becomes your master and when christ is your master you don't need a law let me ask you how many of you are obeying south africa's laws just put your hands up and, and you're not on camera so it's okay just yeah you're obeying south africa's law put your hand up <laughs> there's very few putting their hands up guys <laughs> You're all supposed to put it up. No, it's not a trick question. No trick question. My question to you is, are you obeying that law because you so love the people who put the law in place? And you so love... I'm sure you do. That's why you do it, right? No, you're afraid if you don't keep it, there's punishment. So now what's more powerful? If you're in love with a king and you're following the king, do you still need that kind of attitude? No. That's why legalism is going backwards. The problem is that, uh, let me explain this from the scriptures. In Galatians, you see, because we become very critical and judgmental as Christians, because we actually become a little bit legalistic. And when you build the church, the legalists always want to tell you, you're not quite spiritual enough, because you're not doing that. You're not doing that. And you know what we're doing? We're diminishing the work Christ did on the cross. My goodness me. We are saying that is not enough. And you wonder why it brings death. Because people just feel ashamed and condemned and judged. And, and we have this pride and arrogance about us. Somehow that our Christianity is better than other religions. Christianity is not a religion. It's following a person. His name is Jesus. That's it. That's what it means. You have faith in the work He did on the cross. That you are set free from the law. Now, I'm saying you're not set free from our country's law. Just so that's out there. 
when the Bible talks about the law, it's talking about the law of Moses, the, the, the commandments God gave to Moses. And Galatians chapter 3, verse 25, let's read these scriptures together so we stay free. I told you guys, beginning of this year, and girls, stay free. It's for freedom that Christ has set us free. Don't let other people judge you and put stuff on you that Christ doesn't put on you. Because somehow you're not spiritual enough, or you're not religious enough, or you're not doing this enough. It will completely disempower you. And we're building a kingdom of priests. The only reason they existed was because a lamb was killed. And the blood was put on the doorpost. Without that, even with the ten plagues and all the signs and all the wonders, you were still in your sin. It's only the blood that can take you out. Galatians 3 verse 25. It says, now that faith has come, we are no longer under the supervision of the law. Now, if, you, if you're not a believer in Jesus, you, 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 you need the law. the law. The law is there. You'll stand before him and he'll bring the law and you'll be judged according to the law. Law doesn't disappear. But for us who believe in Jesus, Christ fulfilled the law on our behalf. What we couldn't do. Why would you go back to that? Can't understand. Are you guys okay? Am I just having intense thing here? Romans 8 verse 14, it says, Because those who are led by the Spirit of God are the sons of God, you do not receive a spirit that makes you again a slave to fear, but you receive the spirit of sonship and by him we cry, Abba, Father. So you see what it's saying there? It says you, you don't obey the law. If you're obeying God because you're afraid of hell, you're missing something. If you're going to church so he doesn't punish you, you can't go to church because you are the church. But maybe then you went to church, so you go to church. If you're doing all this because you're fearing and you're afraid something is missing, we do it because we, we have the Spirit of God living inside me. He changes me. He moves me. It's not me. He does it. Galatians 5 verse 18, but if you're led by the Spirit, you're not under the law. How's that? Plain and simple. I'm not under the law because to be led by God himself is not a lower standard it's a higher standard imagine if uh, brother Becky Kele was right next to you when you I don't know about to break the law well that would be a fear but what if it's the one who laid down his life for you and he says, son, daughter, this way. If I'm led by him, it's not because I'm afraid. It's because I know he, he loves me and he's committed to me. Are you there? And the church we're building is not for, for religious people who want to tell us you're not doing this and you're not doing that. Here's the news flash. If you want to be under the law, which is the Old Testament, I'm just saying, under that law, I'm not talking about the kingdom of God and principles like sowing and reaping. Those, those you, they don't disappear. I'm just saying the law is the Old Testament. You better do everything written in it. You, you understand? You can't pick and choose. Circumcision, everything, the whole works. I'm just saying. Because if you want to be under the law, if you break even one part of the law, 
This is what Galatians says. All who rely on the law are under a curse. Because it is written, cursed is everyone who doesn't continue to do everything written in the book of the law. So here's the thing, guys. We can't be making special days and moments and ceremonies and all that and living under this judgment that if we're not, we're somehow inferior. We're not under that. We're under Christ. Is that clear? Read it. Colossians chapter 2 verse 13. When you are dead in your sins and the uncircumcision of your sinful nature, God made you alive with Christ. He forgave your sins and He's canceled the written code with its regulations that stood against us, that stood opposed to us. He took it away and nailed it to the cross. I want to say, that stands opposed to you. If you want to be under the law, you're in trouble. But if you're under Christ, you're set free. But be under Christ. Are we doing okay? We're living in a world that's very religious at the moment. I'm just saying it so we can be free. And sometimes religious people are trying to tell us what the church should do and what we shouldn't do. And you know why people love religion? Let me tell you how religion works. Man's idea of keeping God happy is do some ceremonies, say some fancy things, do some movements, do some ceremonies, and then you, you stay your own king and you do what you like, when you like, how you like. Christianity is, no, 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 take your whole life, surrender it to the king, come under his kingship, and he takes your sin and your shame and your punishment and your death, and he gives you a new life. That's Christianity. Uh, quickly, last two, and we're done. We're almost done. We're done. That one is just so important. To navigate right now, we're trying to help pastors and leaders and churches. Honestly, we are. We're saying stay free. It's for, for freedom Christ has set us free. But stay under Christ. Stay under Christ. The fourth thing is the pampering, and that's not nappies, of the licentious. So you get the prejudice of the legalists. Instead of living in the being led by the Spirit, you get the pampering of the licentious. What do I mean by that? Instead of living in grace and truth. The pressure's on the church right now to accept everything and anything. With regards to gender, with regards to marriage, with regards to politics, with regards to... We are just... We are, we are, the pressure is on us to just accept anything. And I'm telling you, we're not building a church like that. We're not building a church for the legalists, but we're not building a church for those who are pampering in their licentiousness. Mark this. Mark this. There will be terrible times in the last days. And I just wanted to encourage you with that. I am, so I'm not a prophet. People will be lovers of themselves. Lovers of money, boastful, proud, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, without love, unforgiving, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not lovers of good, treacherous, rash, conceited, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. How is that for a scripture? I just, can I just encourage us with that this morning? Let's be blessed. Humanity doesn't self-correct automatically. 
We cannot build the church according to what people want. I'm just telling you, this might make you a little bit unpopular. Just saying. Every church is under pressure from a world infatuated with herself. Completely centered on, on herself. Is that okay? I mean, yeah, that's not okay, but are you okay? <laughs> Good answer. <laughs> How's this? Have nothing to do with them. Wow. I didn't know the church could do that. That sounds so ungracious. I thought it was supposed to just be super gracious. Well, here's the thing about grace. John 1 verse 17. First of all, the law was given through Moses, but grace and truth came through Jesus. There's no grace without truth. Which means when I'm in my sin, I can't, here's the truth. I come and I fall down at the feet of Jesus and I repent and confess my sin. And His blood cleanses me from all my sin and all unrighteousness. And then I turn around and I follow Jesus as my King from that point on. Then He gives me grace, unmerited favor, absolutely. But that's truth. Without repentance, how's there forgiveness of sins? Let's just not lose that doctrine. I'm not saying we must be nasty to people. We don't judge them. And if we're legalistic thinking we're better than them, we are just like them. We're just like them. We were, we were in our sins. If it wasn't for God who opened my eyes to see what Jesus had done on the cross, we are exactly the same. So we don't act all superior or we better than, but I'm just saying the church cannot, cannot just say it's okay. Truth is, repent. Put your faith in Jesus. Let Him change you. I mean... It's getting better and better. You know, the second thing about grace is that the grace of God, Titus 2.11, that brings salvation has appeared. It's appeared. It teaches us to say no to ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright, godly lives in this present age. I didn't say this. The Bible says it. And if you live like that, you cannot inherit the kingdom of God including sexual immorality, including all of those things. I didn't say it. The Word says it. If we're a biblical church, we understand those things. We don't judge those people. We don't, we're not legalistic in our approach. But friends, we're also not pampering to licentiousness. Is that okay? Truth. And you will know the truth. And the truth will set you free. True freedom is not bending the truth. True freedom is coming back to the truth and lining up with the truth. And the last thing, amen. Just, man, you guys are doing good, eh? That's why I only preach a few times in a year. Yeah. <laughs> but this, you understand, there's a little bit more family and it's a little bit more leadership and it's a little bit more before we're going to talk about a Joshua season, what we're going to walk into. You need to understand what God's called us to be. And as City Life, we're committed to this. We need to be washed with the Word, and we need to make sure that this is the church that we're building. 
and people who get saved into it and people who give their hearts to Jesus and us older ones who have walked with Jesus for many many years not our experience not what we think not our opinions not our preferences what does the word of God say let's get washed with that again so we understand who we call to be and when we do that we'll walk into what God's called us to be number five the politically correct humanists we have the prejudice of the legalists, the pampering of the licentious, the preferences of the saints, the preconceived ideas of the preachers, and then we have the politically correct humanists. There is a lot of pressure on the church right now to be PC. And that's not personal computer. A lot of pressure. You know, we're not a political organization. You know that, right? Although we impact politics, we don't vote for who leads. We don't vote for what we believe. We don't vote for our party. We, don't, we, we surrender to a king and we submit to his kingdom. That's us. We're under a kingdom and his name is Jesus. We've bowed our knee to a king. And so if we're going to try to please everybody. Now, let me just say this. I don't like to be hated. And if you like to be hated, there's something wrong with you. But sometimes, sometimes, for following Jesus, people will hate us. You just got to know we can never please everybody. Get it? We make it our goal to please Him, 2 Corinthians 5 verse 9. That's why we exist, to please Him. You know what's the success of the meeting this morning? Are you pleased, Lord? And I told you the story. I must find out what pleases him because there's no point buying my, my wife a toolbox. You know what I mean? Hey, Renal, here's a toolbox for your birthday. What? Yeah, it's very expensive and it's fancy and it opens like this and it opens like that. You should be happy. Who <laughs> said that? Hey, <laughs> Usually, no, no, it's what I want. It's not what you want. I'm buying you what I want. So with God, it's the same thing. It's not like, hey, Lord, you should be happy that I arrived and I pitched up and I, I sang a few songs and you should be so blessed. No, no, what pleases Him? Let me ask you, do you know what pleases Him? Because that's why we exist. Not take what I give you, Lord, and you should be happy. What kind? He's the King. Find out what pleases Him and let's do that. Amen. John 15, if the, if the world hates you, keep in mind they hated me first. If you belong to the world, they would love you as their own. How's that? They just love you as their own. Man, we're not going to be popular always. Just settle it. Galatians 1 verse 10. Am I now trying to win the approval of men? or of God, if I'm trying to please men, if I'm still trying to please men, I would not be the servant of Christ. Let's stand. We're done. Well done. Let's stand, please, if you can. <clears throat> Thank you, Lord, for this local church. Not by chance we're together. You're gathering us. you brought us together. You've restored us. You've healed us. But you're equipping us. And you're just starting to stir us and remind us for why you, why you saved us. Why did you step in? 
Why did you bless us? Why did you? Wow, it's just your goodness and your kindness. But Lord, it's also for a purpose. Because in these last days, you're building your church. You're still building your church no matter what the world says, no matter what people says. Say, you're building your church because it's your vehicle through which the kingdom can come here on earth. And the church you're building, Lord, we, we want to be. Just here at City Life, hear our hearts today, Jesus. Please help us, help us. We want to be a church that, that not just brings a smile to your face, but pleases you, Lord. I understand, Lord, it's, sometimes it's not our preference. Sometimes it's not convenient. Sometimes it's not popular. Sometimes, Lord God, there's pressure from other preachers and ministries and all sorts to do all sorts of things. But, Lord, sometimes our own legalistic, spiritualist attitude gets in the way sometimes lord our pampering we're just putting up with things we shouldn't we're asking you to help us please Lord. want to be obedient want to be free want to stay free what jesus did on the cross is enough to set me free it's enough i don't have to add another thing doesn't matter my past doesn't matter what i've done doesn't matter how many times i've broken the law that blood is sufficient to make me perfect forever we're not obeying the law because we're fearful. If you love me, you'll obey me, you said Jesus. If you love me, you'll obey me. We want to obey because we love you, Lord. King Jesus, you're so, great. You, you're so gracious to us, Lord. Honestly, you're so loving towards us. I know there are some in this room that are facing very, very challenging times. But Lord, you've still been good to us. You're still the same yesterday, today, and forever. You haven't changed. Your plan hasn't changed. And if we can just come back to the truth, if we just come back to what you say in your word, I know if we come back to seeking the king and his kingdom first, all these things will be added unto you. One step by one step, we'll walk in what you've called us to. Thank you, Lord, for what lies ahead. More than what we can ask or imagine. This is bigger. Even for us as families, individuals, as a church, this is bigger. It's way bigger than what we thought. Give us a new mindset, new faith, a new revelation of following you, Jesus, and those you've put around us and over us. And new strategies for warfare as we walk through that Jordan River, trusting you, Lord, to do something we haven't seen before. Walk into territory we haven't seen before we trust you we believe in you we take your hand in jesus name amen god bless you stay for coffee or go in jesus name go to your workplace and whatnot and uh, please remember tonight if you are not on holiday or whatnot there is a city celebration it is good to be there